Welcome to episode 302 of the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking. From indie film to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them, and how to try not to royally F them up. In our very, very humble, humble opinion. Opinion. I'm Giles Alderson, and you are Dom <laughs> Lenoir. <laughs> Today on the show, we have Live from the Blanky Kingdom, the Blanky Fort. Live from my blanket fort in a in a very small echoey hotel room in northern Spain. Uh, we are chatting with the actors Daniel Brühl and Albrecht Schuck and director Edward Berger because they have all made the rather, rather brilliant film All Quiet on the Western Front. You could say it's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. All Quiet on the Western Front is a fantastic, searing, harrowing drama. Epic. Epic, yeah. Based on the book All Quiet on the Western Front, which is a hundred years old, uh, all told around the First World War, about how these soldiers were cannon fodder and how our lead character mm. needs a father figure and a friend. On the episode with Edward, what do we talk about, Dom? Edward wanted to talk about getting close to the characters, feeling what they feel, and immerse battle scenes. We also talk about his three months preparation in a hotel room, probably not under a blankie, with cinematographer James Friend, talking about how they would shoot it, their shot lists, the VFX, the smoke, the storyboard, and what films inspired them for the look of All Quiet on the Western Front. Sparking up a great friendship along the way. Nice. He also talks about casting, <laughs> casting locations <laughs> and working with crew. How it was a very hard shoot, how they got through it and why planning is so important. Finally, the details of world building to bring the trenches alive. With the actors Daniel Brühl and Albert Schuch, we talked about uh, what they look for in directors and how different directors work. They talk about acting and building roles and they also discuss capturing the truth of an important story. Now, if you don't know Daniel Brawl, you might have been living under a rock. You probably should, really. Yes, you probably should. He is the star of movies such as Rush, Goodbye Lenin, Inglorious Bastards and Captain America. He's also directed a feature film called Next Door and he's also in My Zoe, uh, which is directed by Julie Delpy, who has been on this very podcast. Albert Schuch has been the star of uh, Berlin Alexanderplatz, System Crasher, Measuring the World, The Royal Game, and is Stan Kat Kaczynski in All Quiet on the Western Front. The director, Edward Berger. Now, you might know him from his work on the TV series, Patrick Melrose, The Terror, Eden, or Your Honor, uh, that really fantastic courtroom drama with Brian Cranston. Uh, feature films he's directed are Wonder Bread, Jack, or Wonder Bread in German, Wonder Bread, All My Loving, and all quiet on the Western Front. Well, there we go. It's pretty good roles between them, isn't it? Very, very good. We're delighted to have Daniel, Albert and Edward on this week's episode. So, yes, apologies for our pronunciation, gentlemen. Gentlemen? Is there no ladies listening? Uh, well, I mean, I was talking to the, the actors who were, we were mispronouncing their names, but uh, right. yeah, certainly to the ladies and gentlemen audience as well. Right. Thank you for clearing that up. How are you, Dom? You all right? Yeah, not, not bad. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah. Busy. Busy, busy. Busy? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what are you doing? Busy, busy. Lots of stuff, lots of stuff. Great, great. Anything our listeners would like to know? Um. <laughs> well, Tom, um, I've just heard some news. Yeah. Uh, and I looked this up myself, obviously, <laughs> that when the screaming starts, is currently 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. This is your produced feature film, directed by Connor Burrow. 
100%. 100%. Surely it can't be. Yes, it is real. This is incredible news. It's, it's, it's real. Is <laughs> this the first time you've heard of this? It, it might well be. It might well be. So maybe you should go and watch that film because it's uh, it's supposedly quite funny, according to, to critics and, and fans alike. It is available to watch on Prime now and in all good and evil Thank stores uh, at the moment. Prime yourself for this. 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. I love this film, actually. I thought it was hilarious. And it's brilliantly well made on very limited budget. Do go support. Do go support. But not a constrictive limited budget. Let's let's make that clear for the audience. I mean, they could just go and listen to the episode with Connor Burrow yourself and me uh, about how they made that film. They could. They could. What other news? Uh, oh, oh, uh, right. So there's um, there is a film coming out. <gasps> oh, um, this is exciting. It, it's 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 a comedy heist. Oh, it's uh, it's set in Grimsby. <gasps> I might know what this is. So so good for those northern folks. Uh, and it's it's having its premiere in Grimsby on the 18th, mm-hmm. uh, and it's having a London premiere on the 23rd. Oh, what what film is this, Dom? That you could be talking about? So it's it's called Three Day Millionaire. <gasps> you may have heard of it. Oh, you may have. Dom, so kind. There, there's a, there's a really good cinema tour manager mm. Um, mm. involved involved in the programming. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure about the rest of the team. I'm, 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 I don't have much information on that. Basically, what Dom's trying to say is he is our tour manager of Three Day Millionaire. So we are doing uh, a theatrical run of the film, which comes out officially in cinemas on the 25th of November. But there are some previews and there are some Q&A tours coming up around the UK and other countries. How exciting is that? It's almost too exciting. It really is. It really is. But thank you for bringing that up. It wasn't in our notes at all that we should bring that up. Um, so I really... <laughs> <laughs> the filmmakers plug cast. Plug cast. <laughs> plug our films. I really like, uh, was it Mark's <laughs> comment uh, on socials when we say <laughs> mocking each other on uh, Twitter the other day just by having fun. <laughs> and we're like, and just people like, really enjoy listening to... Guild Alderson <laughs> and the Dild, wasn't it? The, yeah. Or the dad, 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 I can't remember. Promoting our own films. <laughs> on the podcast hey listen no one else is going to do it for us right yeah it's true it's true and you know we we do we slave away to sort of promote other people's films and oh we constantly do yes so coming up for you though we have some really really exciting episodes not only is today ridiculously exciting uh, with Daniel Brawl and Albert and Ed uh, we have coming up for you Sophie Lowe she is the star of Medieval we've also got her and screenwriter and director Peter Jackal also coming up is our Causeway podcast episode an incredible film starring Jennifer Lawrence and we spoke to the director Lila Neugebauer and producer Justine Kiyoroki we also have the incredible Neve Algar actress of The Wonder Emma Donoghue the writer and Sebastian Lelio, the director. This week's episode is sponsored by Q Scripts. Uh, they are a script analysis service providing detailed constructive and professional reports on your shorts, features and TV scripts. They work for emerging talent and established writers looking to take their scripts and ideas to the next level. At the moment, there's a three-month membership which is free for a limited time, but the annual membership only costs £60 anyway. So you might as well get involved with Q Scripts. Links to all that 
are in the show notes. A reminder of our Patreon at the moment. We have so much bonus material on there for you, all about how to make films and the mini episodes that Hugh Siddle has been curating for us. We have he's talked to Raddy Nikoloff about creating short films. Uh, he's talked to Mikhail Chowdhury on creating film in lockdown and using deaf actors. He talked to Ben Robbins about getting thrown in at the deep end of filmmaking. He also talks to Nilesh Patel on the fine line between film and architecture. He also chats to the filmmakers of When the Clapping Stops and talking about socially conscious filmmaking and very recently, in fact, yesterday, a mini episode has just come out with Santi and the cultural impact of filmmaking. Do go join our Patreon. A lot of these are free, but if you fancy giving us a couple of quid to help support this podcast so that we can keep sitting under hot duvets or blankies in the middle of the Spanish sun just for you. Please do support uh, that and everything else you can. Right, should we get to it? This is Edward Berger, the director of All Quiet on the Western Front. Enjoy. Hello. Good morning. How are you? Hello. Very good. Thank you, Edward. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you. Pleasure. Absolute pleasure to uh, to meet you. It's it's an incredible film. It's visceral. It's harrowing. Very, very harrowing. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it's true to life, isn't it, Dom? Yeah. And I, I mean, it's it's just such a it's such a big story. And it, it just it covers it really does cover the horrors of war. Cause, I mean, a lot of a lot of war movies you you watch and you kind of you see a bit of the horrors of war and then, and then there's a bit of hope and sort of redemption and you know a few people sort of get out all right and and you know there's a few tragedies but overall you sort of you, you think okay well, was was not too bad but there's I can sort of see a bit of sense in this and I, and I think what's so powerful about what you've done with this is you really have created this sort of this the, the senselessness of it and, and you really do feel for the characters who just who are sort of pawns in in this mm. you know in, in egos, really, at, at the end of the day. Well, what, what, what a great morning <laughs> for you to tell me that. Thank you. No, that's uh, that's wonderful. So, yeah, we don't deal in redemption, I guess. Huh? Yeah. In this no, it's it's harrowing, and it's what it's. I mean, it's stunningly shot. Interestingly, I know James Friend. He shot my first ever short film. Your oh, cinematographer. There you go. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Right. Perfect. He did. He did a couple with me, and actually, it, that was what made me want to direct. You know, uh, bringing him on board. He he'd um, he'd shot something that I was in back when I was an actor, and then I said, "Hey, will you shoot this with me?" And yeah, w wonderful, wonderful guy. How did you? How was your relationship? Why? Why did you want to work together? Obviously, um, you know, you're shooting something in a German language as well, uh, and you're choosing. You know, he's an amazing. DP. There's no question about it. But was there a specific reason why you wanted to work with someone like James Friend on this, who's an English speaking person? Well, we had done a couple of things together. I first met him about you know, five, six years ago on a show called Patrick Melrose that we did together. Mm, yeah. And uh, we had a great experience and we became very good friends, very close collaborators. And we speak all the time about what we want to do next and so forth. And this time it just felt so. So what we wanted to do or what I wanted to do was put the camera somehow right in the middle of this battlefield with with Paul Boimer, our main character, mm -hmm. and and make the audience sort of grab them by the lapels uh, and, and, and drag them through the mud with Paul, you know, mm -hmm. with our main character. And at the same time, stay slightly like maybe just five inches further back, sort of just observing it. We took that from the book, that feeling, 
because it's a, the book is basically a reportage. You know, it's like a reporter reporting on things fairly unemotional, just observing, and he lets the audience do the emotionality for themselves you know, rather than telling them, okay, this is going to be emotional now. And, and just in terms of my talks with James, you know, when, when sort of gearing up to make the movie, we just had that same language and that same observation from the book and, and, and just felt like, all right, we're going to be the best collaborators on this as on anything, you know, I would do any, any film with James. Mm. And it just felt uh, that, that, and also you know, it was a technically challenging film. And James is also very interested in exploring how to, you know, bring technically complicated movements or technically complicated uh, camera coordinations uh, onto the screen, you know, like how to translate uh, those things best. Um, so he's it's just very interesting. He has a great team with Danny, the operator and, uh, and uh, grip and, uh, uh, the gaffers and, and so together it's sort of a great camera team that that um, brings that emotionality to the screen I mean I really liked what you did on the detail shots um, in in terms of bringing bringing people into into the world because it, it's not just sort of okay here's the battle here's the sort of the whizzing of the of the bullets I mean even from the opening sort of crane shot that there's just there's there's something that you sort of bring that really puts you into the actual the world the surroundings the sort of the horror on on the the side and the background of everything but I'm also I'm also very interested I mean I mean when when I when I watched this I was actually thinking this is this is sort of this is really like Roger Deakins level cinematography like with the silhouettes mm, and, gonna, and the shadows he's gonna love hearing that yeah oh he will oh he will <laughs> <laughs> what, was there in, in terms of the, in terms of the sort of the candlelight um and the way that you lit and you sort of created mood through the the, the visuals can you talk a bit about that collaboration we, we also spend a long time looking for images uh that inspire us be it in you know in art a lot in art or painting other movies uh, Roger Deakins's movies. <laughs> you know? yeah, why not? I mean, <laughs> so, yeah. why not? You know, uh, you look for good inspiration. No, you, we, we, we start gathering images, you know, fog shots, you know, we, we, we looked at every fog shot, like there's great fog shots, for example, in the movie Macbeth, right? Shot by Anna mm, Markopal yeah. and, uh, directed by Justin Cruzel. So we looked at those and said, oh, look at the level of fog, just to determine the level of fog we wanted, you know, the, the different, different movies. We took photographs early in the morning at 5 a.m. getting up uh, in Prague and sort of exploring the landscape there and say, okay, this is a good fog level. This is a good frost level. So we do the shot list mm -hmm. and we do we do storyboards for the very complex scenes. And we really do them, we probably did them for three months, locked away in a room in Berlin. It was COVID and James came over. And so we stayed in this no room service, little room. <laughs> oh no, didn't eat. <laughs> and, uh, we didn't eat. Yeah, just worked on this. Just yeah. had some tea. <laughs> Uh, and some chocolate, three months cho fast. Cho chocolate cookies. <laughs> That's it. And uh, uh, did did the storyboards uh, for, Amazing. and we put them up against the wall, and we stood back, 
And there were, I think there we have a book of probably 350 pages or so of storyboards. Mm-hmm. Um, because also sometimes the shots were very long. So pan down and come up and run with him and dive behind the horse. And guns go, explosions go off, get up again, take the helmet, hit someone over the head, jump into a trench all in one shot. So those were like 30 frames of drawings, you know, just to, mm-hmm. just to, for one shot. Uh, just to every every new position was strong. And so we put it up against the wall and then look through that sequence and say, mm, it doesn't quite work. Let's take out this shot. Let's change that and, you know, draw it again. And then eventually we have this book with shot lists and storyboards so that the entire crew knows what we're going to try to achieve on a certain day. And as we go through the script and do this shot list, we also talk about atmosphere in terms of lighting Mm -hmm. uh, or of the scene. And then we just look for other examples of movies where we like the lighting and assign it to the, or, you know, I show him a a painting uh, where I think, oh, this lighting is very good. And then we just sort of put that into the script or put that up against the the script and eventually also up on the wall and put certain images to it to, and then slowly start actually seeing the film without ever having shot it and mm. by that time you probably wonder why are we even shooting this yeah just it's a cartoon <laughs> it's done, it and, it's done. and then yeah. and then we actually have to do it yeah and then also the storyboard was very helpful because it kind of keeps you sane because mm. otherwise you come in the morning and you think oh god we never we didn't have a big schedule right it was 53 days every day was it was really the hardest shoot that we'd all I think the entire crew had ever done, you know, and every day was really, really hard to achieve. And sometimes when you looked at the whole day, I almost, you know, it almost crushed me the weight of it, the, 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 the amount of it. I I thought, I can't ever get this done. And sometimes on the way to work with James in the mornings in the car, to be honest, I almost broke down and he propped me up and then maybe another day he was down and I tried to prop him up. Mm. And so we really sort of needed each other's help to get through it. And also that storyboard kind of helps you keep sane because you know, all right, let's just focus on the next shot. The crew knows where we're going to go after this. They can start prepping. The AD knows what we're going to do. Let's not focus on that. Let's just do this one shot. And then we did it, you know, just one shot. That's all we have to do. Mm -hmm. And then you do the shot, cross it off. And then you go on to the next and do you think like, okay, it's, it's just one shot, you know, it's not right. 50, right. You know? yeah. So it's, and, and it's, it's just, it, it just sort of keeps it sane and, and manageable in a way. So in that mm. sense, but there was a long winded answer to your question uh, about lighting. <laughs> it was very good. It was a very good long winded I really answer. enjoyed it. So yeah. that was good. We're talking about that then and, and that process of propping each other up and the importance of collaboration, which is, Honestly, it's so vital. People forget how difficult it is when you're in the zone, you're making films, you're absolutely tired to bits and you're shooting in mud, you're shooting in weather that is probably really difficult. And I mean, even though it looked absolutely stunning and it's totally worth it now, at the time there you mentioned, you know, it was really hard. What, What was it that was hard and what was the things that helped you get through it. I know you said, look, we propped each other up, but it'd be really interesting for our listeners to sort of go, oh, this helped. This is how we got through it. And I know it's shot by shot, moment by moment, but was there anything else mentally or physically that you did 
that would help? I think it's mainly really James's. Uh, actually, that advice came from James. You know, let's just do mm -hmm. this one shot. You know, let's just, and that helped me sort of frame it differently and not think, not having to think every day the whole movie and what was in front of it, us, um, and just go from shot to shot to shot. That's very helpful. But also, I mean, it's for the entire crew. I think everyone had their different techniques. I mean, you know, I came to set, uh, what, at 5 a.m., yeah, 4.30 sometimes maybe, which means that the costume designer gets yeah. there at midnight. You know? Yeah. <laughs> sort of. And the, uh, so to get the, <laughs> the, to get, to get, get the extras ready, you mm. know, to, to supervise those. And so I think, you know, I almost had, you know, everyone had such a hard day, time, you know, I almost had the easy time, you know, when I think <laughs> of the other people, but as you say, um, the crew is, I, I think in terms of technique of how to achieve it is I, I really believe in casting meaning casting the actors, first of all, because that is, you know, you spend a long time, if you're looking for the right actors, you spend a long time finding the right ones, then actually it makes it life so much easier on set because a lot of the directing is done also, you know, a lot of it mm. is now bringing everyone together and uh, really believe in what the actors then, you made that choice and you spend a long time in casting and you made the, hopefully the right choice and then and then it just flows it's like picking a location casting casting i mean everything you know actors and casting the location and the location when the location is right in a way it guides your camera right there's mm. only one way to shoot it then in, yeah. in that location and the third casting is probably the crew that you meet uh those hod's are uh, if 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 you want to you know, the biggest crutch uh, on getting through it is probably that team. You know, it sounds like a everyone who makes films knows this is true. You know, for mm. people who don't make it, it may sound like, a oh, yeah, they're saying, oh, yeah, the crew, the crew, and, you know, like, every, <laughs> but it's really true. Um, it's like, it's, if you have, I had the best crew ever, you know, the costumes, the production design, the makeup, you know, the stunt crew, the AD, they all bring their knowledge and their knowledge is bigger than mine mm. because they have made more films. Yes. Uh, I make one, one film a year. They make four, three. It's so true. Yeah. DOPs usually do four films a year, costume, they go on to more. So it's true. I love that you said that. Use their knowledge and, and you know, they're, they're done this i need them in a way to help me make mm -hmm. this film and educate me and for example also when when we sat in the storyboards you know or in hod calls james very often said well we've all shot battle scenes before you know and <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh, we were with that uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> for you know i looked i hadn't even had an explosion on set you know i never right. blew anything up right and so so, but I didn't, you know, my previous films didn't need that. So uh, I didn't concentrate on it. And this one needed a lot of it. And then you just have this crash course of, with people that help you, help you learn about it. You know, yeah. you know, I have this great SFX guy who tells me, well, can't do that, but this we can, and maybe you can solve it this way. And the stunt mm -hmm. people are immensely important yeah. in terms of figuring out the grip. is immense. Very often we design shots, James and I, that were very long going from in the trench, through the trench, around, mm -hmm. around the corner, climbing up, going back down, going back up again, and 
keep in running across the battlefield for 150 feet yeah mm. while explosions are going of 150 yards sorry um so for long 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 shots and while we were drawing the in this room eventually on the 28th frame or so i looked up and said like but how are we going to do this shot? You know, like, I mean, we're just thinking. <laughs> yeah, it looks great on paper. And he was like, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. You know. And so for that, again, James knows a lot technically, yeah, and, yeah. and visually and creatively. He's very, very, he's such an inspiring partner, but he doesn't mm -hmm. know everything and he hasn't done every shot. So he was just like, we just, ask Danny, the operator and the grip, you know, to go figure it out and come back with some solutions. Maybe not everything will work, but yeah. we'll find a solution for it. And then we actually, we actually always did. And, uh, that's up to, again, to the, to the grip who knows more in his department than both of us know together, especially than I know. Mm -hmm. And so they, yeah, as I said, they've done so many more films and, and every time, you just so you cast that crew and you talk to them and say oh that person is really inspiring and that person really wants to make my film mm. it's really they're burning for it you know my, my the people i ended up working with were all burning to make this film and and they gave it their everything you know the costume designer did get up at, at midnight basically to be on set at 12 30 you know and and look at the extras that they're properly right. you know that they look right and mm. so anyway that's again a long-winded answer to to a simple question of of uh how do you get through it it's i think you know work with great people so, so in terms of adapting the novel, because obviously there, there, there was the there was another version of this film that, that existed in in the past, but you've you've definitely taken it off in a different direction, and and you've definitely captured you know what what the what the story is about. But how did you how did you approach the script in a way thinking okay, well the, these are some of the guidelines. What do I want to what do I want to sort of do that's 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 original. Um, how do I want to sort of pay, put my mark on what I choose to adapt? Well, I, I mean, anyone who does any book sort of has their subjective POV and they would bring that to it. So, you know, mine sort of shifts in further to the left than someone else's or further to the right and looks in other places. I latch on to um, like one scene, one sequence in the film is basically taken from one line in the book. And it's now a, a ten minute sequence. In a way. Which sequence is that? That's it's where they look for the boys. That mission uh, where they wake up and mm. they look for boys and find. Eventually, they find a group of sixty boys that have died. You know, mm. and it's it's just really yeah. It's really just one line. So I had a wonderful draft from two writers in uh, who live in America, but two British writers, and I had that, and uh, I felt all right. I want to bring more of my you know, the reason to make the film was to make it a German film, you know, mm. um, to really uh, make it from my country's POV or what I grew from my POV, you know, yeah. and what I grew up with and my my heritage. And that is obviously very, very different than a British or American upbringing, which, you know, looking back at the wars, a Brit would go, well, you know, my I don't know, my grand great great grandfather was in a war or you know, defended his country or they mm. you know, England was attacked and they did, yes, they had sure. to fight back and they had they did an honorable thing. And 
you look back on it with with a certain sense of pride you know and that's why probably a, a different movie can come out of england uh, than because the filmmaker you have that in you you know you you look at it and say mm. like well my great grandfather was mm. this war and defended and that's why i live you know and that's why this country is the way it is now and in germany there is no such thing yeah there's only a, a shame and guilt and a weight of responsibility about it and so that imbues your decision on how to make that film and that's why it then in the end you know hopefully feels different than a, a british film and that's why it's you know add, i guess added that's why i wanted to be additive to that conversation you have a british war film you have a german war film you have an american one you have an indonesian one and everyone has a different pov on on what they bring to this conversation well i, I thought the the way that you humanized the sort of the sort of the mentor characters was was a bit that i, I really enjoyed uh, you know and, and the sort of the missions to the farm with the the you know the goose thefts and 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 I did really feel like I feel like you really you were on the side of the. It was a very difficult position as a viewer because you're watching it and you sort of know how the you know the war is going, but you don't feel remotely like the German soldiers are doing anything wrong. It's sort of it's, mm. it's the sort of the generals that are the really, really the sort of the bad guys. But actually, when you look at the, the the general people, it's just it's just everyday kids going to college, family people, and it's it's very difficult to sort of you know get your head around it but it's it is very humanizing how do you sort of balance that yeah it goes back to your script question so so the book is very is very much that it's very observant but it's also very human and just talks about these kids basically and it's about it's about i mean the book for me is about how youth and innocence embodied by these enthusiastic kids who are manipulated into a war they have no clue they have no news uh, they have no television where they see, oh God, my, you know, my, my, my friends are, crit, you know, are blown to bits in the, in, in the trenches. Mm -hmm. They think their great grandfathers were in wars and came back heroes, you know, and, and they want to be like them. And there were actually a few wars in the 19th century that were very, you know, short and, 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 and successful in the end. They were victorious, you know. And they thought, oh, we're going to be like this. And they really told them it's going to take three weeks to Paris, you know, and then you, oh, you're in Paris and, and it's yours. And even though you have no right to, to it, but, but they felt they were manipulated and uh, through propaganda and uh, populism into this belief. And so to me, that's just a, the, the book is, is sort of follows this youth and innocence. And very quickly as they arrive, they, find out that everything they've learned so far, all the morals, all the values that they've had are worth nothing. And that it's all about, you know, your own survival in the end. And they become a survival machine. Mm -hmm. And survival machine in a war also means a killing machine. You have, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's either you or the other guy, you know, and then you know anybody would get well it's, it's better be the other guy, you know, because, and they, you become sort of a dehumanized so it comes from a very human, childish, innocent, youthful perspective to becoming a very dehumanized machine. And that theme of a machine, of the war machine, because it's also the first industrialized war. It's the first war that, where, you know, artillery shelled from the back and tanks came. We have the sequence where mm -hmm. tanks come through the fog and and they feel like spaceships basically and the kids go like well, well i've never seen anything like this and 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 so 
and they just roll over them and they don't stop. You know, mm. and this machine, this killing machine doesn't stop and it won't, it won't stop until you're just a dehumanized pod uh, running across the battlefield and hitting other people left and right for your own survival. Mm. And, and that's, and, and that's what the story is about. And so we focused by, uh, you know, taking the script. I mean, so we had this British uh, script and we had a lot of research and, and we had a lot of, um, and we had the book, of course, you know, like the book is basically the North star, uh, even though we added things to the book, uh, but, and then the amalgamation of that gives our perspective of, um, of, uh, about the, into this war and into the story. It's quite incredible. It really is. It's, it's an incredible achievement. What you you've done here, it is beautiful, stunning and harrowing. Like we said at the beginning, well, in, in terms mm -hmm. of the battle scenes that you done, you like you said you've never done them before maybe break it down a tiny bit for us uh for some of our listeners who who are you know they want to they're going to do some battles soon or they want to do battles as big and as epic as yours what did you learn from this you know for if you're going to do battles again you go ah i learned not to do this or I'd, if you're going to do an explosion it's going to take all day or you know the setup time is much longer what, what did you learn from doing it that you would take forward great question i mean i learned so much i learned everything from and from the other people so just to explain the process maybe and then i mm. find out myself what i really learned because i don't know if it's one single takeaway but so we we drew these storyboards and then distributed them to the HODs. And then the RAD, a wonderful a guy called Benedict Herman, mm -hmm. he organized HOD meetings via Zoom. And we had, you know, probably 15, 20 people on these Zooms from costume to, because, you know, how many costumes are you going to need, you know, when people yeah. blow up? Uh, yeah. When, uh, you know, what, what is the length of that costume change? Mm -hmm. uh, the blood pump, you know, where do we hide it? Uh, mm -hmm. Is it better to do that uh, body hit with a VFX or do we want to do it for real? Um, with, with, you know, with, a, with a explosion on the body, do we, you know, that explosion in the background, can that be a VFX or is it because it interacts with the light? Should it be for real? So we had these. I think collaboration is the one is the thing that you take away. So these mm -hmm. meetings with 20 people, for example, also that the tanks go across the, yeah. ac across the trench. You know? mm. And of course you can't have a, I mean, our trenches were pretty fortified, but they weren't that fortified that to put a tank across. Yeah. Uh, it's like, and, and, and on top of it, there's actors underneath it. Mm -hmm. you know? So how do we do that? And, it's broken up into shots, of course, but we had to build uh, the, 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 you know, and I don't know this. We planned this, you know, and suddenly the, the, you know, the not even the production designer, but the art director goes, wait a second, we can't send this tank across the, <laughs> the trench. And I go like, oh, why not? Yeah, why well, not? Because it's going to collapse. It's battle ready. Come on. <laughs> yeah. We find out, all right, we, we have to build a second section of trench mm -hmm. uh, that is maybe, you know, twice as wide as the tank. That is just fortified where they where it can go across where we can put a camera underneath uh and 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 so that section was built just for that one shot actually you know um and uh the stunt guy will go well the thing you drew here it's going to be difficult you know like i can't do that i can suggest this uh and then we say oh that's actually better let's redraw this or mm -hmm. we say no no it's got to be exactly like this come back and 
think about it. Isn't there another solution? And then there is maybe a solution with in collaboration with VFX, you know, that he does, okay, this is safe. If VFX can help me out here. Mm. And so this, these sessions, I think these planning sessions, endless planning sessions that are, um, uh, you know, take hours and weeks, <laughs> yes. hundreds of hours, uh, until everyone really knows. And then we had this grid for each shot and for each department was listed what that department has to contribute to each shot. Uh, you know, three uniforms, uh, five body, uh, how do you call those, those body hits on the, you know, the squibs, uh, squibs. There's, there you go. Five squibs. We need to calculate how many explosions in the film total we have to make some sort of budget. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So all these, all these things were sort of decided in these endless zoom meetings. And, and it, it sounds like the, the the real attention to detail that you've sort of applied to to the actual the script and and the story and and the very sort of world that you're building mm -hmm. probably w was really beneficial to the acting and and everyone sort of being on the same page as well because like the atmosphere really like leaps out of the screen. Doesn't oh, it, it really does. Mm. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, and I mean the the attention to detail again comes from I think talking it through and taking the time with James sitting in this room. Mm. And of course, we come up with more ideas than than uh, we've written into the script. Uh, so we have the script. And then when you sit, it's almost like writing it again, uh, when you break it down, You've, uh, and then actually imagining it and then knowing, you know, to get and it's better to do it. I mean, for me, it's much better to do it with, you know, together with someone and sitting on my own somewhere and thinking of it because it's twice as many ideas you know? mm -hmm. and and James inspires me and hopefully I inspire him and then suddenly we have more ideas and with those ideas I also go to the actors I go listen we thought of this and maybe you can I don't have a specific example now but you know I'm sure like with the goose or with the eggs or something we we thought of something during the during the actually during the um during the shot listing and it wasn't even in the script and or for example I mean I came up with the idea of you know there's a little boy who commits a murder in the mm -hmm. end you know like oh, doesn't commit him he shoots someone and that came actually during the storyboarding uh, it wasn't really, in his, it, he died earlier, uh, oh, that right. character. Yeah? He died earlier and it was simpler. And it felt just a little bit while we were storyboarding it or shotlisting it, just felt like, oh, it's too expectant. You know, you kind of want him mm. to get away the because you think, oh, he's probably going to die here. And then he's, oh, he got away. And then suddenly he didn't. You know, so it's just these little twists. Then it's it's almost like a, I treat it as a, a second writing process and really examining the script if it holds up or if it can be better. The choice of where you ended, you know, the, the story, because to me, the, the the sequence with the farm and the sort of the tragedy there and, the, and then the, the final sort of horrendous general sort of against everything, deciding that his men are going to go into this completely pointless battle. What, what was the sort of the decision on, on where to end the movie and, and how to end it? Because um, it, it's almost quite beautiful. Like they, they think they've got away with it. And, and that's where probably a, a more sort of glossy ending type um, story would have would have finished is, is after after that bit before the farm, before that end bit where everyone's sort of, a few people survive and everyone goes off happy, happily. So just that kind of uh, decision. Well, it's really the book again. You know, the book is basically doesn't let anyone off the hook. So you can't. And it's so famous, this book. So you can't 
you know you're going to have to drive it home to this in, in, in into this in this you know futile you know everything was for naught uh kind of ending to us we just knew we needed a last battle to describe the utter senselessness of it and then also to end sort of in a really lonely and uh, devastating place um that was seemed the only uh, consequential ending from after reading the novel and after you know certain things we we added certain things into the script like the armistice negotiations mm-hmm. uh that weren't in the novel and so that's just um that sort of automatically puts the movie at the very end of the war and uh and therefore you know you you sort of have this i don't know what i can give away probably a lot of the mm. people who listen to this have, yeah, have, have watched the movie that's true but we don't want to give too too much away okay, good, good. yeah we want people to watch this if they haven't yeah obviously um you know you've you've done some amazing tv deutsche 83 the terror patrick melrose as you mentioned eden and your honor which i found absolutely fantastic you're exec producer on that but the difference i suppose between that and all quiet on the western front in again you got to wrap this up really quickly and apologize for that but in terms of something for our directors out there and our producers and people that that you do what is it on your journey that you've learned over that time that you wish you'd known earlier that you could have got somewhere quicker i don't know if there's any of that because that's what our a lot of our indie filmmakers want to do like why can't i get there is there anything you've learned over your time yet that in the past you wish you'd known that could have helped you? I I think I started really young and I didn't have, and, and a lot of times people told me, well, you got to live, you know, you got to live and have some knowledge and, and, and then you can make movies. And I'd never understood that. And I think if you have, you need some, you need a, the biggest thing you need is something to tell. What do you want to tell and what's inside you and what you what's your opinion on something? What's your, Hmm. you know, I don't want to call it vision. It is vision in a way, but it is sort of the soul inside you that needs to get out. And you go, this is, I need to do this. And when you have that, then it goes into the film and you don't have it. Some people have it miraculously at 23. Mm -hmm. I didn't. So I just needed, I just needed 15 years to to sort of get there and learn and do some television and learn here. Mm. And eventually it's sort of life and, you know, your family and friends and the, 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 some, some disappointments that you've had and that sort of lead to something that needs to get out. And that I think that's the most important thing. Amazing. But I, there's no quick way to get there, unfortunately. <laughs> what a great answer. Just an overriding passion. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, All Quiet on the Western Front is out on Netflix on the 28th of October. It is stunning. Please, please go support and watch this film. Edward Berger, thank you so much yeah. for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. I love your podcast. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks, Chris. Absolute yeah. pleasure. All Real the pleasure. best. Good luck with it. Good luck with the movie. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, guys and gals. Giles here jumping in to tell you about Q Scripts. Well, they're a script analysis service who provide detailed, constructive, and professional reports on shorts, features, and TV scripts. They work with both emerging talent aiming for a break in the industry as well as established writers looking to take their scripts and ideas to the next level. They have experienced readers with a track record at honing scripts into the best and most appealing version for production companies and other partners. 
And because you listen to the Filmmakers Podcast, you get three months membership for free for a limited time. So get there now. Qscripts.com. Link is in the show notes. Easy. <laughs> Qscripts.com. Check them out. And that was our fantastic chat with Edward Berger. And now we have the trailer for the film. That was the trailer for All Quiet on the Western Front. It is out now on Netflix. Do go support. Right, Dom, shall we chat with Daniel Brühl and Albrecht Schuck? I think we certainly should. Let's do it. Here they are. Oh, and hello. Hi, Will. Hey, my name is Will Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing, guys? Good, thanks, Will Taylor. <laughs> tonight, tonight we're we're interviewing Will Taylor and Lila. Lila <laughs> so, how are you? How are you doing, anyway, Daniel? While we're while we're sorting out uh, Albrecht's microphone, I'm good, man. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, just came back from Boston. Um, had some fun time there, working on a film called Collaboration with uh, um, Paul Bettany and Jeremy Pope. Um, wow. That, that, play they did uh, about Warhol and Basquiat. They adapted it, mm -hmm. uh, making a film. They're still working on it. I had a little, but very uh, nice and funny sidekick role. Um, and now I'm off to Mallorca. I moved to Spain. I moved ah. to a beautiful island. Was that due to the German German winters? We're, we're a bit harsh? Yes, <laughs> I had enough of grey German skies and grey German faces. Yeah, faces. had it for too long. Yes, those damn 22 faces. Twenty-two years, miserable. Right. Uh, so are, yeah. you're moving there permanently, or just for a film? Yeah, sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I'm in Spain as well myself at the moment. I'm, yeah, are I'm you filming down here? Yeah. I'm, Where are you? I'm in Ramales, but I was. We were in Barcelona. Donde demonios está esto? Yes. Where is it? Yeah, it's northern but, Spain. No comprendi. Yeah, no comprendi Spanish. <laughs> no comprendi. So, <laughs> so, 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 Daniel, if if we want to, if 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 any of the directors want to to get a script to you, write it for for Mallorca. Then that's yeah. uh, that's a sort yeah. of starting yeah. starting yeah. place. Yeah, we'll shoot oh, yeah. down there. We'll shoot it all down there with Daniel Brühl. Are you on that point of your career already, Mr. Daniel Brühl? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty okay, much. Come on over. Shoot that movie in my garden. Yes, <laughs> I am. <laughs> it's perfect. No, they're shooting quite a lot. I, I just met a German uh, uh, director that you have worked with, Albrecht uh, uh, Schwocho, who shoots The Crown in Mallorca now. Ah, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, yeah. The death of Diana, and they're doing the the big finale there. And, and yeah. They're shooting quite a lot over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, there you go. We've had the one of the crown directors and exec producers on this podcast, Ben Caron. He's, he's done a few, yeah. met him along the way. But yeah, he just did Andor. So yeah, he's been doing yeah. really well. Yeah. So, but basically. Luna. Yes. But basically, we should shoot wherever you live. Wouldn't that be so much easier for both of you, Albrecht? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and Daniel, there you are. And you just go, yeah, I'll just roll out my house, shoot me in my beautiful place, and go home again. They've oh. done that with some actors. But 
I don't know. I like the distance. I, I like quite some distance between the set and my uh, private space, I have to say. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah, there is that. You've got to be able to switch off, haven't you? You do. Let's talk about that, because obviously in this film you had to go off to, you know, Czech Republic, mainly shooting in Czech Republic from what I can mm-hmm. tell. What, do, you, do you like travelling away to shoot? You mentioned there that you did Elbrecht. Is that something that is part of getting into character and part of the roles where you go off and shoot somewhere else and you can immerse yourself a little bit? Yeah, a little bit better, I'd say. The dive is then uh, easier because it's, there's no distraction, you know? There's no work, okay, I have to uh, not allow myself to see any friends, to whatever, mm. do my daily business. It's it's, it's easier than to con- uh, connect on one hand, on the other hand, you miss them so much because we had this shooting for about, I don't know, you remember three months? Yeah, I guess fifty something days was it? Exactly. I mean, I had the chance to to at least travel one time because I had a, um, some days off about two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I'd say I prefer to to shoot not too close to my um, home. Actually, mm. yeah, it helps. It is nicer, isn't it? Rather than going home every night, it changes your. You suddenly got to do your home things, and it's nicer. Yeah, mm. especially when it comes to you know. Um, when, when you dive in a historic movie like we did, you know, when the time is so far away, the circumstances are, not, well, not that close. The experience are not that close to what you experience in your life. Mm. Uh, it's, it's better. Yeah, it is. What about you, Daniel? Do you like working away? Is there something about that that gets you in character? Well, especially having two boys, two uh, little boys um, mm. who sometimes wake you up at sometimes 4 a.m., 6 a.m., 7 a.m. Yep. It's also kind of a holiday. <laughs> yes, right? You, oh, I'm working. A harrowing war experience is a holiday yeah. from family life. Yeah. And obviously in front of my wife, I sell it as the hardest and toughest work to, yes. in comparison to Albrecht and Felix, be sitting in a train, mm-hmm. uh, drinking tea uh, and having a cushion uh, uh, in, as a fake belly you know and and wearing um yes. you know elegant suits or a pijama no i'm 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 kidding um <laughs> you did have to rough it in this one yeah, i totally did, did uh, agree to with it. what uh, uh, albrecht said it's it's uh, it, it 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 helps massively to mm. to um you know lower the distractions and uh you know get into it uh um more intensively and and then you know not going back to your normal life uh um, every day so it definitely helps um and also then it is it is just if you see it as you know uh, the the quality of life or, or your lifetime uh you experience so many interesting uh things being abroad you know mm. uh, the amount of uh, cultural experiences that i've had uh because of my job this also nourishes you Uh, as a person but then ultimately also as an actor uh, you know uh, because you get to learn so many things um, yes by being away does it help you being so immersed uh, like from a sort of a a character preparation um point of view like having so many uh, you know brilliant sets you know the kind of the blood the you know the, the 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 era brought to life the sort of the horror of war does that make it easier for both of you to sort of prep when you're when you're looking at a a script and a a character like these definitely i mean all the departments working on that movie they were just uh insanely good uh insanely pros yeah and i mean we would go even um going into details which you wouldn't see in the entire movie and we knew that we won't see them you know what i mean 
Mm. So, for example, with Lizzie Crystal, the, um, the head of, uh, well, the, the wonderful uh, costume artist, mm. we, we worked on, on different details underneath the, um, the uniform that, um, that have a story. Um, okay, you could tell that is um, fixed by his, um, his wife back home, or that is the initials of, of, of their son they had, but which uh, had died three years ago stories like that that helped actually to yeah to give um that the, uh, that character of cut a um a short background story definitely mm -hmm. daniel absolutely there are moments that gives you uh that give you the 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 chills almost because if you forget about you have i have that sometimes if it's a if it's a wide shot like a, a where you don't even see the crew you don't even see the camera mm. and you're surrounded uh by periods uh and 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 it's absolutely 100 accurate so where nothing disturbs the eye and you really think it is whatever it is in this case 19 uh, 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 7, 1918 or, mm -hmm. or you know if it's so well done as it was done in this in this case you're really traveling in time and uh and then obviously uh it helps you massively as an actor to really believe mm. uh in in what you do and 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 you know Uh, and, and what is being told, you know, has a lot of, you know, um, authenticity. And and I find it uh, remarkable with the circumstances, uh, if you have in mind, you know, the, the heavy uh, pandemic mm. that was done on top of shooting a war film. Yep. The images that Edward and James Friend have created, um, these battle scenes, given that the budget was so much lower than, you know, if you look at an American film, uh, uh, you know, um, what they have achieved with, um, with so much less It's astonishing. is, is incredible. Mm -hmm. It's quite remarkable. Uh, so yeah, yeah. James Fenn was always a, a real talent. I, we, he, he did my first short film. He, he, it was a DOP on my first short film and, uh, we made another film together before he broke out. So I always knew then that he was going to be a, you know, a superstar and incredible. What, what is it like then, you know, looking at something like this for you guys, what makes you want to do a project like this? Is it, you know, the content of this? Is it the director? Is it all of the above? It'd be really nice to know your thoughts, why you pick projects. Um, uh, Daniel, we'll start with you. Well, in this very case, I mean, I joined the production company Amusement Park Films, uh, led by uh, my partner and friend Malte Grunert a couple of years ago. And our goal was always to tell uh, German stories out out of Germany, but with an international appeal, uh, stories that are strong and important enough that can travel internationally. And so it was a real epiphany when uh, Malta called me one day and said, listen, I came across this new adaptation of All Quiet on the Western Front, uh, the anti-war novel, um, mm -hmm. one of the books in German literature, in fact, uh, uh, the most successful one, as in, you know, mostly read throughout history. And he had read it in English. Uh, he said it's, it's, it's new. There's some new elements to it. So it's interesting enough to adapt it. But on top of that, uh, we should do it in German as it was never been done, you know, for almost a hundred years, nobody uh, touched it and did it in its original uh, uh, language. So 
after reading it, I said, definitely, we 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 have to do it. And then the finest director we could think of, Edward Berger, uh, came on board. Then the fabulous cast, uh, you know, uh, the um, James, uh, mm-hmm. you know, all these wonderful heads of departments. Oh, yeah, so it incredible. all came together quite smoothly because I guess everybody knew that uh, this is a real opportunity. Uh, this could be a very important and 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 and, and strong uh, film. So. It was really a no-brainer uh, uh, for me. I just, after reading that script, I thought like, we have to, we have to do it. Mm. And then obviously you went, well, I'll be in it as well. You're like, I am going to be in this film. <laughs> was it, or, or did you push against it a little bit because you're exec producing? Yeah, no, very quickly, uh, Marta had this idea of me playing Erzberger. And this was a, this was an interesting element of the uh, um of of that new script uh and i found it bold and courageous and 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 interesting to put something uh in it which is not in the book mm. and this character spoke to me i just um i i found it interesting to play the the only human voice there in this <laughs> in in this uh, circle of 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 madness surrounded by all these cold uh, uh, Prussian uh, uh, militaries, you know, mm-hmm. and to play an, a very emblematic, uh, important figure in German uh, history that I didn't know that much uh, uh, about. I mean, about him, you know. Mm-hmm. So th- th- that I found very appealing. So I immediately said yes to that too. Um, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. And for you, Albrecht, yeah, with Kat, you know, obviously it's an amazing role. I'd, it'd be crazy to turn it down, but. So, yeah, talk us through your thought process when it came your way. Yeah, I think um, it's always this, um, this, this, so to say, magical triangle that that I need to decide whether to take on the part or not. So, is it the right character? Is it the right um, director? And what about the colleagues? And in this triangle is the content. So it's remark, and it was remarkable, so to say. So it was a to me, no-brainer as well. It just felt right after I met um, Edward uh, on a silent place because I always decide meeting people who um, I might think uh, working with, meeting on a like quiet spot because you can listen to the moments in between the words, you know? Mm. And I had so much to do, um, why am I telling this? I had so much talking about silence, had so much to do with cut already. That was a huge interest of mine because normally too many movies, um, I did tend to, um, the characters tend to talk too much, I mm. think. Mm-hmm. And um, um, so there's, there's nothing too much left for the audience to kind of project themselves in between those lines. The unsaid, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then you have this unique language that needs no, 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 no words, basically. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's what I like so much about this character, um, that he he doesn't need too many words, but you, you kind of felt what he, well, I... That was a huge joy to, yeah, fill it up with stories, with background stories. And what was the, what was the process like once once both of you received the script uh, to sort of talking to Daniel and, and how, how does that how does that then go in terms of building the character and what you wanted to input in terms of the you know your own sort of take on things to make it personal for you? Well, again, as I said before. Um, I was surprised of how little is known or, or how little I learned about this 
man who was so important in, in German politics uh, back then. So I read his biography and was uh, very impressed by uh, by this man and his, uh, his career. Uh, by his courage, by his strong moral compass, he came from the you know the south of Germany, from uh, from the province, and uh, climbed his way up to the high politics in 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 Berlin. I wanted to make sure that you can feel where he's coming from, so um, I wanted to be, uh, I wanted to sound like you know southern German sound in that particular area in Baden-Württemberg and Swabia. Still, I think my my wife's family haven't seen the film because i'm pretty sure i'm gonna tech uh, get gonna uh, receive uh, one text or another and saying like well it's not quite right the accent but still uh, for me uh, i wanted to i wanted to have it because that accent to me uh, expresses a certain kind of determination and 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 um a very thoroughful uh, attitude um mm. that felt right you know yes. and what i like in working with edward is that i could clearly tell, you know, there are no small parts here, you know, obviously I'm not playing such a, a big part as, as Albrecht and, and, and Felix in that film, but mm. um, all these little parts, he paid so much attention to every uh, detail and every performance. Also the wonderful David Striso, who plays that horrible general, mm. you know, a lot of time was uh, invested in these scenes and it was not just, oh yeah, okay, now we're doing the stuff in the train on the villa, but actually that the main focus is on the, you know, on the trench and and the Belfi no everything was you know treated with a lot of attention and and time and precision so I also wanted to make sure to be uh, as as accurate as 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 possible sometimes you have to change uh one thing or the other in fact uh Erzberger's son did not die on the battlefield but of the Spanish flu but I found it interesting emotionally for me to, you know, convince uh, out of a very personal, th that personal loss uh, to convince the militaries and the, the Prussians uh, to, to stop the war. So I find it interesting how to play with history, how, how bold can you be in changing history? I learned mm. a lot of lessons from Peter Morgan back in the days when I was shooting Rush and he yes. told about his approach to Frost Nixon or the crown or the mm. queen, you know, in when he decides to you know to make something up yes. in the in in the soul of the yeah but that's that's filmmaking too what mm -hmm. albrecht said before cinema is about not talking all the time but you know uh, uh um, enhancing you know, yeah. yeah exactly if it's authentic and it gives your your character you know something you can really work with and then that conveys the emotion of of what the character and, and everyone in that world was going through then i i think yeah. you, you know there's definitely a, there should be a leniency in, you know yeah. with, with sticking to the the dot of, of those moments and still i find the whole result very coherent that's the why my wish is that um, this film is shown in schools and mm. in classrooms. I think it is, uh, you know, it's an important, it's an important film to watch when you're young, you know, yes. to inspire to then the kids to read the novel in case they haven't read it. And because just because the, the key message of Remarque is timeless, universal and so Im important that war is not cool. War is not an adventure. War is devastating. And also for the, uh, you know, uh, supposed uh, winners of, of a war. The, the, win, the, the losers are definitely the soldiers. I mean, that's, that's sort of yeah. very clear. All of them. Like, the soldiers. Yeah. Are, and, you know, and, and just everyday people. And inevitably, you now, you, you now think of all the Ukrainians, but also of the Russian young soldiers now mm. being sent to a war where they themselves, uh, uh, they, they, they ask themselves why. And it's fascinating from the 
English side to see that because we've only really seen films of the English side. So it was great to see it from the German side. Expanding on that question, Albrecht, for you a little bit then, what was it like going into those trenches, the, the setup of it? What was your mindset going into these harrowing scenes? And you played it so well. You're so fantastic in this film. What was, you know, something for our actors out there listening that, that worked for you? Maybe I, um, I, I follow that, 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 that personal thing, how to, you know, um, adapt, how to connect uh, the character that has obviously experienced what you uh, hopefully will never or have had never experienced. And it was, for example, uh, I mean, besides, for example, Peter Jackson's They Shall Not Grow Old, that really helped me to kind of find a connection um, and to realize, okay, because sometimes we tend to, okay, they don't have anything to do with me. but And it's that black and white, I don't know, thing in our head. It's so far away. So the people must have been so different because uh, the pictures are running kind of funny, comic-like. And then, then when in Peter Jackson's, it, it turns into color and, and to, you know, all the voices, you have that feeling of, okay, it's like today, it could be you more than you have um, this black and white experience, if that makes any sense, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah, and then and, and then I had this uh, diary of my grand-grandmother and uh, she, she wrote down her how she experienced uh, from the sort of distance um, 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 the, the war. And, and they, she collected different sayings, like country sayings or, or, or regular people sayings that, um, that I thought is very interesting to bring into cut as a sort of prayers, mm -hmm. daily prayers to get through that um, uh, devastating daily life and to have this connection that is not too emotionally, but um, that you need to somehow survive those strings to back home, to your beloved ones, to your past somehow. And uh, I found some, some, some very good sayings and I think she collected more than 120 different sayings. And I found three wonderful sayings and two of them made it into the movie. They just made sense for the character. I mean, just seeing, for example, when they unburied um, Paul uh, just in the beginning and cuts say, uh, sitting um, in front of him and he's sharing the spread with him, you know? Uh, and then he stands up and, you know, uh, collecting whatever or continues digging out um, uh, soldiers. And uh, he's saying something like, um, move on um it'll 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 calm you down it, it, it'll give you peace if you just continue you know i, I can't say the saying you know uh, in, in english i don't have a proper um just to follow up on peace because I, I was really interested in in how your your character kind of gets to the end of, of, of the film because in, in the middle it sort of thinks I, I sort of thought well okay he's made it through most of the the war he, he might be able to he's found friendship with his companions um maybe that's his piece but to me it was almost you were happy at the end not happy but but relieved um in the way that your character sort of see, sees things out and there's a kind of a redemption in in just escaping war how, how did you sort of put that together in terms of how your, your mental process as your character sort of comes to the end of their journey i think the dramatic core of cut to me was all that i tried to build up was talking about emotions again because i i see myself as a sort of 
um, emotion juggler, if you if you if you say if you can say so. Um, mm. Again, to me, there's a scene in the novel when Paul has two weeks off and he's he's coming home, stands in front of his house. I think in in, in um, well in the stairs, just ten meters before. Uh, the door of his of his home to where his uh, mother is and his little sister and the little sister heard him or saw him already and she uh, she say mother mother Paul is coming and just by listening to to the warm voice from his sister he is devastated his heart is broken mm. he realizes how he had cancelled his emotions on the battlefield because he learned from cut you you can't allow. Um, your, your your emotions break through um, or be there on a daily basis because it'll cancel your animalish instincts, which you need to survive on a battlefield. And that's what I thought is a great call for cut. And then we are not sure. I want to leave that to the audience. Is he kind of relieved by the end? We don't want to spoil too much. Mm. Um, not going home again? I don't know. I want, well... I know, but I don't want to, you know, mm. uh, I want to keep the secret, so to say, because that to me is the core of, 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 of remark saying no matter if they survived or not, no matter if they, they were uh, on the victory side or on, 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 on the non-victory side, everyone involved in the war is devastated. Yeah. And we can feel it. Um, we, we, we still can feel it. It, it's it's then taken from this generation and, and inherited the next one and to the next one. Not talking about your feelings, yes, or, or following this 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 narrative of you are a hero because you have been to war and you survived in the war. What? Yeah. So mm, that's that's so so amazingly put. And I suppose for you, Daniel, you know, and talking exactly about that, you know, having done the films you've done, especially Goodbye Lenin, which is you know still one of mine and my family his favorite films of all time it's stunning uh, and inglorious bastards and the war films that you've done and also you've directed as well you know you've directed uh, it was next door i think it was called in english fabulous what what is it therefore you look for since you know directing and since making movies like this that you look for uh, you know from your side like the directing side now that you've got that in you what and would you direct again as well? I suppose there's another question in there as well. But did that after you directed, did that change the way you thought about filmmaking, the process of being on set? Yes. Yes, it did. And I'm uh, even more in awe of directors and their work. Uh, <laughs> it's even more humbling after having done it, you know, because I did it on a... I didn't want to lift a weight that is too heavy. So I deliberately chose an idea uh, that, uh, you know, uh, allowed me to be in a very safe and, and, uh, and, and on a limited scale. That's why I chose to do this Kammerspiel uh, situation, a two-hander in a bar, mm. with, of course, the danger that it gets, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, boring. So the challenge was to keep, you know, to make a film. That's the problem about a Kammerspiel. So it, 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 it feels safe on the one hand because, um, you know, you don't have to deal with thousands of ex extras on a battlefield, for example, mm, yes. and uh, have the logistics of something that I could not ever do. And I still don't consider myself being a filmmaker or director. Edward huh. Berger is, you know, so I have the highest respect for what he, for example, in this very case has achieved. I could mm -hmm. never do that. But directing is something that has uh, inspired me and fulfilled me like any 
other experience I've I've had so far. So I definitely would like to do something else. And maybe okay. yes, daring to uh to uh you know experience something else, uh, you know, leave a room and then go outside and then maybe work with a couple of more actors. Uh, <laughs> in fact, I have an idea of shooting something in Mallorca. I, I kid you there not. There you go. Yeah, right. yeah. Perfect. <laughs> there we go. Of See, I called it at the start. I called it at the start. <laughs> we knew. We knew. And I met uh, another guy who spends a lot of time there. And one of my favorites is Ruben Östlund. And I, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm, I met him on the island and 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 dared to pitch him my new idea. <laughs> wow. And at least uh, that was comforting that he said. That is an interesting idea, and he's happy, uh, uh, apparently happy to, you know, help me in 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 the future if I have questions, and um, to have a master like him, you know, as a Not too bad as an ally and 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 uh, and so forth is is uh, is incredible. But again, you know, I it it is just uh, humbling and uh, amazing for me to see how real filmmakers. Uh, work and also i will never again you know um as i sometimes did go to the director in a very inappropriate moment right. and go like i was just standing under the shower and i had this brilliant idea that you know <laughs> sometimes not realizing all the other things that the director has to you know so mm. when it happened to me and i was directing and you know someone came up listen i had this brilliant i gotta think about it but right now it's it's not the right moment (laughs) (laughs) it's so true that isn't it it does make you i feel more more humble on set better actors but you know the more you can do every other department um listen we have run out of time would love to chat to you more thank you so much thank you very much you know your film is incredible all quiet on the western front no one should be quiet about this film we should be shouting it from the rooftops it is Brilliant. Congratulations, both of you. And I'll say guten Abend and auf Wiedersehen. Oh, oh. <laughs> danke, danke. <laughs> Good luck with it all. Yeah. All the best. Thank you for your time, Albrecht and Dan. Cheers. Cheers, Cheers boys. Thank yeah, you. Absolute pleasure. Cheers. Bye. 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 Boys. Bye. Cheers. Cheers. Listen, you can go make your own films. You can make it happen. Go out there. Do it. Believe in your project. Believe in your film. Believe in your script and make it happen and if you're lucky enough to rise up and do well send the elevator back down we will see you next Tuesday as always thank you so much for joining us thank you so much for listening we love all your support and we love you to listen any questions anything you've got about filmmaking do get in touch that's what it's all about bye The Filmmakers Podcast is kept going by your generous support. To hear some bonus content from today's episode and future content subscribe to our Patreon